Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Michael Finney. Today I am joined by Liu Liu, developer of the app Draw Things. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Liu. I'm working from San Francisco, and Draw Things is my latest venture into the world of generative AI. It's an app that runs on iPhone, iPad, and Mac OS. It runs completely offline and uh, lets you write a text and generate image out of it. It's a complete tool set in the sense that it provides everything you need to editing an image within the app using the latest AI tools. That means you can use your own photo and uh, erase part of it, add a new object into it through the text prompt. Also allow you to change existing photos in different styles so on and so forth. The limitations is what model you use and uh, what's the magic prompt you are going to use with this app. I think like a lot of people, we've all been exploring AI image generation since at least last summer when Dolly started to gain some steam and then Midjourney came out and then Stable Diffusion started to um, basically allow people to generate right on their local devices and not have to log into a browser to do it, which has been fantastic. I love it. Um, you know, I've had a lot of fun just creating images and sharing them around and trying to do narrative storytelling with it. Where did your journey begin with this? Where did you become interested in AI image generation? So I've been in the Dali E beta testing group for a bit time since the summer last year. Mm -hmm. But the experience is underwhelming. Let me see. Uh, One part is that I'm not very good at prompt editing. Another part is it's just very hard to let the computer do the things you want to do. It's not an iterative process, if you know what I mean. I do. You write a prompt, it gives you four images, and then... If it's not what you want, you're trying to craft the prompt better. And uh, so that's an underwhelming experience. But then I saw this article online that talked about this author, how he has some images idea in mind, and then use stable diffusion to first generate a rough idea of, I think that's a post-apocalypse Seattle scenario. And then that's the image he wants to generate. And then he started with the image it's not exactly what he wants. So he used image to image, fill in some components from another image, and then from there, fine-tune the image until get a pretty good post-apocalypse Seattle scenario. So that's pretty interesting to me because it shows a complete workflow, which actually allow you to start with the idea in mind and actually tune the, the final image to the ways you're liking. And uh, at that time, I was working mostly around the reinforcement learning. I have a framework I built to do reinforcement learning training, actually. And uh, so I was thinking, stable diffusion seems fun. And uh, let's uh, port that over to my framework and see how it handles those kind of large models. Is there any breaking point when it handles those large models? So let me and after you, that was done, I posted it up. Oh, go, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, finish your thought or any additional things you were going to talk about. I was going to ask about models specifically, but go on. Yeah. 
And at that, and that time, and once I finished the work, I posted to a forum, basically a Swift forum, about my work. And people asked, since it's written in Swift, can it run on an iPhone? And then I spent a few days to tweak the model so that it actually runs on the iPhone. And uh, the form factor looks great for you to sort of edit on the phone and then just carry it anywhere to continue work on whatever you was working on. So that's sort of the start of I actually start to seriously build the app. Yeah, very cool. So let, let me ask you this. You've got uh, knowledge of reinforcement training and kind of programming models and training models. Is there a model within draw things that you have tweaked or you have customized or created? If you mean the model trained or fine-tuned, right now, no. And uh, those models are vanilla stable diffusion models. The weights are the same. The backload of work is on RAM assumption. So iPhone have four gigabyte to six gigabyte of runtime memory that you can use. And for app, you practically speaking, you only allow to use about two gigabyte. And for stable diffusion model, that's 1.6 gigabyte in parameters. So you practically for all the neural network activations, you have around 500 megabyte budget to that to work. And uh, if you dive into that deep of memory allocations, you'll see that deficits in a lot of existing framework, including Apple's CoreML, including PyTorch to handle that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did a bunch of work in that area to make sure the RAM consumption is well under control. But I didn't train the model myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few models that I would love to find him in the future, but, uh, but I haven't done that yet. Uh, we can discuss about that or we can <laughs> jump to a different question. Yeah, all good. So uh, within the piece of software, and I got to say, it's pretty incredible that you have made this function on a phone, <laughs> to be honest with you, to be able to kick out images. And I imagine there's probably some limitations there um, in terms of either like resolution or just how long it takes it to spit out the image and in terms of complexity and, and, and other parameters along those lines. But when you're running it on desktop, like I am, you know, and I've only done a couple of images with your piece of software so far, you know, found it literally yesterday and then reached out to you and, uh, wanted to, um, you know, have a conversation about it. Cause I think it's pretty incredible. Where are you trying to go with this thing do you intend to continue developing it are there other features that you want to integrate are there things that you feel like are missing or part of your community wants tell us about some of that so i don't discuss in public of the roadmap of the app but i can promise that uh, it's my main focus going forward this app on both desktop and mobile and one thing I think not me, only me, but the community are interested in. And I think it's a fascinating topic. It's consistent subject generation, meaning that uh, you have some kind of characters or objects. Let's talk about characters. Yeah. And the characters may have wear a particular hat 
we may may wear particular earrings, have a particular outfit. How do you carry this character from one image to another image or to a different scenario, to a different environment? I think that's a fascinating topic for me. And uh, I think the community just touched the surface of it. There are a lot of work needs to be done for that to work pretty well. But if you see people posting, right, you've been to the Discord server of mine, and you see people posting. There are some of the pictures that already have consistent characters there. Here and there, that stuff doesn't match. Maybe on one picture, there's a earring on the left ear. Is on that another picture? It's only earring on the right ear. But there are some resemblance between those images and it's pretty fascinating to watch how people with this limited control you provide writing text and uh, erase part of the image to impen those kind of stuff to come up with uh, with images that have those kind of consistency yeah. but i think if we have technology moving forward and provide enough knobs and tools we can make this much better and approachable let me ask you a particular technical question about this because I haven't seen it sure. elsewhere and perhaps, you know, I haven't done a deep enough dive and that's on me. Um, but what I would really like to see is uh, the creation of images and particularly, I think it would be useful for what you're talking about in terms of character generation, but being able to create PNGs that are just your character with transparency intact around them and no background. Right, that's a subtopic of it, and it's actually not hard to do those days. You can specify to see it's a simple background, for example, mm-hmm. and then while it's solid, it's not doesn't contain alpha channel. Those solid backgrounds are pretty easy to remove with existing technology available. Oh, for, for example, sure. Apple. Um, yeah, on macOS, you can remove background. Hundred percent. iPhone, you can do cutout. But <laughs> but the other side of it is if you don't even have to do that extra step, that's that's like, you know, that's a bonus. That's that's just like in terms of workflow, that would make things that much easier, you know? Yeah, definitely. Also, since you can generate character turners using the texture event, event, inversion, it's conceivable to just from a few pictures you generate a 3D model out of it as well. Those yeah. are pretty simple to do nowadays. Right. And uh, it's, uh, it's uh, you can integrate that into the flow. But it's more exciting for me is that providing a general tool and work with users to figure out the, the actual use of those tools mm-hmm. rather than, because for a long time, right, we've been working with software or tools that work operates within the parameters of software designers set. And uh, now, but now with all these AI tools on one extreme is the chatbot, right? It, it's undefined. The parameter is undefined. It's user help to define the parameters of the software. And I think that's a new characteristics that pretty exciting to explore as a software designer myself, right? Yeah, absolutely. What other, what other software have you developed that we might know or that you have out there available for people? 
<laughs> yes, I've been developing software for close to two decades. And uh, the first software I've been doing is actually an image editor on desktop. That's 20 years ago, 2002, I believe. And that was in Chinese market. And uh, in the beginning of uh, 2010, I worked in Facebook and uh, pretty heavily involved in the Facebook iOS app rewrite. Mm, after that, the software, you probably heard is Snapchat, the iOS app. I touched every aspect of that app and leading the iOS development until 2020. So, but I haven't been an independent developer for all those years. I'm mostly involved in open source and the leading development in those big corporations. So Very this cool. is a new experience for me. Yeah, this is great. Uh, honestly, like, and you have, you know, a great background in terms of development and, um, you know, skill set and what you've touched. And uh, I would say some of that interesting stuff you were talking about in terms of uh, graphics software 20 years ago, some of uh, what Snapchat does and what, what their augmented reality capabilities are, if you've had any experience with that and, you know, bringing that forward to AI image generation and being able to launch lenses or, or anything along those lines, you know, seems incredible to me. Yeah, definitely. I think the one thing through all those year experience and why it's exciting, like I said before, is that all the soft software we build, including lenses, we operate within the bounds of the software designer. Or in lenses case, later we've been more flexible because we have we have lens studio and allow other people to create lenses, right? But then that's still separations of the consumers who use lenses versus people who create lenses, right? And uh, those people who create those lenses set the parameters for the software. The exciting part about generative AI is that the exactly consumer of the software sets the parameters for the software. It's not software designers. It's not lenses creators. It's people who use this tool day to day, discover new capabilities of this tool, and then integrate that new capabilities into their own workflow. And uh, this is very fascinating to me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And there's, you know, people that become personalities or influencers that lean on this technology and really kind of push the boundaries, like you're saying, and it becomes part of their identity, becomes part of their brand, you know? Right. And we are only at the beginning of this, right? So one thing I compare to people is that for the past 10 years, I've been working on what I call captured visual content creation, meaning that the phone with a camera is ubiquitous during that time frame. And then you capture a photo, capture a video, do post-processing, and then get a distribution channel like Snapchat, TikTok, or YouTube. And then that generated a new occupation. Now we're known as creators, right? And now we are very early in this trend which I call it synthetic visual content creation, meaning the content is not captured photons, but rather it's something you have in your mind 
and uh, bring, you bring that to life, basically. And we're still early on this area where we can only generate a single image, right? We cannot do videos. We cannot do 3D interactive content. And uh, the capabilities is still maturing. But once all those things are ready, we're going to see a new generation of creators that leveraging those tools to generating synthetic entertainment content for people. You already see that through this new Twitch Simpson or not Simpson. Seinfeld. Simpson. Yeah, that was fantastic. Sin- Seinfeld. That. Yeah. And those have very, uh, very crude. And uh, imagine what we can do by the end of this year or next year or two, three years from now. And then you're going to see a new occupation like we have with creators. Those are, mm, I don't know what's the name of those people. Basically, people who are doing visual design in big studios, in hollow studios, in game studios, or they have to do those in big companies. Now they have those tools to help them, to argument them. They can be indie developers, indie designers out there and then design their own content for people to consume. It's, uh, it's very early. We're right. still very early on this. And that's the boat that I'm in. Like the things that you're talking about in terms of like 3D asset generation and video work and things like that. You know, I've got a project that dabbles in those things and is is trying to, you know, get more of that kind of content creation off of the ground over the last year. So, you know, at, I'm, I'm happy to be a guinea pig for anything that you are working on with draw things and, and everything else. If there's something that I can contribute or utilize your tech to implement with with my project, you know, I'm happy to do that. Is there anything that you have not touched on that you want to touch on or that you want to say or explain for that you think is important for people to know or to understand that we haven't talked about yet? What, what do you want to say in the app? Uh, what do I want to see? In the, well, I, I told you the one thing I really want to see, which is uh, PNG transparency still intact. That's, you know, that's a that would be valuable for me. Um, and I was going to ask, you know, about video implementation or even simple, you know, maybe morphing might be an easy thing to accomplish, um, in a sense, because I know that that's popular. There are a lot of apps out there that do that. Um, I had to look up how to do it using DaVinci resolve, and it might be a feature that is not completely, um, a video integration, but in a very simple way, it, it gets you a little closer to video or it kind of whets people's appetite for the idea of video and, and they're cool looking, you know, people love to look at morphs, I think. Yeah. But now video is still quite early. People, you have, you have those inconsistencies between yeah. stable diffusion generations and the, it can be much better if you take the temporal data into your model generation. Yes. The problem is that we cannot, we, we lack abilities to, train new models for video generations besides what the big corporations done, right? But overall, it's not hard to train those models. It's just uh, we need to do some fine-tuning. So videos is one place I think I clo- keep a closer eye on it because it's pretty easy to process videos on Apple platforms with all the APIs. I've been doing that for how long? Eight years, ten years. And I know that Apple platform just much better than uh, 
Linux or Windows for those processings for sure. because it leverages hardware consistently. So that people who currently use FMPAC to converting into images and then pass out into automatic, pretty arcane. It can be a much more integrated experience to do that. I agree. And, uh, yeah, but it's just a stable diffusion as a tool doesn't take the temporal cons- consistency into a consideration. So the result is often mixed. Um, but another thing I'm interested in since you're talking about roadmap, and I think it's ridiculous, but it's interesting is how we can use the, the tool to the software, draw things to train, either fine-tune the models or train textual inversions. And uh, from your phone, that's ridiculous, but because it probably takes five hours or six hours from your phone to do that. But once it's doable, I think people are going to do it. And I'm pretty, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's an incredible time. There's just been an explosion of breakthroughs. I feel like for the last six to eight months, almost constantly in terms of AI image generation and uh, the little seeds of video, you know, there might be there might be some aspect um, for you to incorporate audio because I know there are some like uh, audio models that are out there. Maybe some of those can be pulled down and integrated into the thing as well. Um you know, maybe uh, some music components and maybe these things can be kind of stitched together into uh, basic video creation tools in that sense where you're getting a soundtrack, you're getting a voiceover and you're getting very uh, basic image kind of uh, morphing or transitional type of things occurring. Uh, You know, that's just an idea, total speculation, but those are some of the things that I was thinking about in advance of lining up with you today. Yeah, definitely. I think all those are very interesting advances in this industry, but also research, demo, and also a coherent product are very distinctive things. And uh, the talent required to pull from demos and research into a coherent product we still have a gap in this industry to do that properly. I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, that's why when you mentioned DaVinci Resolve, like compared to the state of our research, a lot of features they provide, it's pretty arcane. So it, we can do much better. And I'm pretty happy about CapCut because they are doing pretty good, good job of integrating a cutting edge research into a coherent tool a mobile actually so it's uh it's a particular scale that uh, you need to train people to do that and have particular taste to do that and also be not afraid of doing that so people are not just pursuing uh, fancy demos but also thinking about how this tool is all those new techniques going to integrate into a tools that give people a lot of possibilities. Absolutely. Well, Hey, uh, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time and, um, you know, draw things is incredible. No problem. Thank you. Absolutely. You enjoy the rest of your day and we will talk again soon.